Hi, I'm Sarah Fisk, Life Coach with Microbe Formulas. This series will cover mental health. If you struggle with mental health issues, please be aware that listening to this episode could be a trigger for you. Please contact your mental health provider if you're in need of mental health support. Thanks for listening. A podcast about life. I mean, that's a struggle, I think, with every single day. Are we good enough? Everything it can throw at you. The only person that can make us happy is ourselves. Real people talking about life's real issues. Oh, yeah, there we go. This is Intentionally (laughs) Disruptive with Shonda McNeil. The series this month is called No Perfect People Allowed. We are talking all things mental health. Of course, Mental Health Awareness Month coming up in May. Uh, So far, we've talked anxiety, depression, PTSD, This is episode number four of the No Perfect People Allowed, and we are calling it, I'm not the imposter, I know I am. Joining the podcast this week is my friend Alex and coworker, and we're talking imposter syndrome, and not a lot of people know what that means. Yeah. So I want to give the official definition of imposter syndrome. It's the persistent inability to believe that one success is deserved or has been legitimately achieved as a result of one's own efforts or skills that sounds about right I mean it's kind of a yeah that's a better definition than the other ones I've seen or how it's been explained to me other definitions I've heard was you're successful but you're afraid that at any given moment somebody's going to realize that you're not actually like meant to be there you're afraid that people are going to see that you're an imposter and that's not what people that's how you feel on the inside right. right that's how you feel but I didn't like that definition because it implied I was successful even in the first place. <laughs> See? Right there. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that exactly. I even had a right to be there. <laughs> so like when when I'll tell people I have imposter syndrome and they want me to define it, I'm like, I feel conceited even yes. giving this definition because it implies that I'm meant to be there at all. <laughs> yeah. How do you feel? I know one of my worst nightmares is standing up and like people praising you for something. I'd rather just like make an excuse and not to be there or like run out the run out the door. I just I can't I can't believe that kind of thing. I can't believe when I when I get yeah. praised in any way, I either forget about it, don't believe it, or find a reason to break down the reasons why I don't deserve it. Yeah, it feels nice, of course, to get praise, but there's always that like poking inside your head that it's like they're they just feel bad for you they're just yeah. saying something to be nice yeah or they don't realize like that it wasn't actually like very hard or like i don't feel like i did anything groundbreaking yeah. like it's nothing exceptional but the reality they of don't it is, see it <laughs> the reality of it is you put your whole heart into it yeah that's the reality that, that, that's the reality and i think a lot of people don't realize imposter syndrome all of us suffer from it all of us go through these phases some of us more so than the others Mm -hmm. but we all have these bouts of imposter syndrome because it's just something we we all struggle with i think you know and maybe people can't identify what it is exactly but we go through we go through it and i think i think i don't know where, where does your stem from you think um i think it stems from it started with me just not feeling like i was good enough for anything or good enough at anything um, just when I was younger, um, just people in my life were very hard on me and I, I'm already an anxious person anyway. I've struggled with anxiety my entire life. And then I think when you added in <clears throat> that harshness of like people not being proud of you or not being happy with any of the things that you thought were successes, it just kind of beats you down to a point where 
You don't feel like anything is good enough. And it's not something I've ever been able to get over. And what do you do now to, I guess, keep it at bay? Or not keep it at bay, but what do you do to to get through the day and kind of remind yourself, hey, I am good enough and I do deserve this? It's actually only been a couple of years now that I've had any sort of coping mechanism before it just would continue to eat at me. But I finally went to some therapy and I didn't even realize it was considered imposter syndrome. But I just said that I I have this uh, like conflict of just not being good at anything or not being good enough for anyone. And that was like my mantra almost. Mm -hmm. And my therapist said, I want you to imagine that your best friend just said that to you. Mm. And what would you tell your best friend? And how would you feel if they felt that way? And then turn that dialogue on yourself. And like, it's going to be really hard at first, but just try to think of yourself as you would like your best friend who who's just told you that they don't think they're good enough Mm -hmm. yeah and that's how you have to talk to yourself it's all about self-talk positive self-talk yeah i have to try and be self-loving but i mean it's even still hard yeah another thing that helps me get through that fear is my stepdad's a wonderful man and he was a social worker for 15 years and he's an he's like a saint but he still he hated his job but he was always so afraid to apply for something better and he went to yale Oh, wow. He was so afraid to apply for a better job out of just fear of not getting it. So for 15 years, he worked in a job that he hated. And then... And social work is tough. Yeah. That, that's that's for... It's a really hard special, job. Yeah, it really is. And he worked with some very difficult clients. Um, but he, he finally has a different job now. And I was talking with my mom, and she just said it was just fear. Yeah. The fear of not getting it that, like, held him back for so long. And just we're all, like, so confined by fear that it can be all-consuming. And just my fear that I'm not going to be good enough for something will keep me from ever achieving anything. So even though I don't feel like I belong somewhere, I'm going to try my best to stay there. But it's, you know, it's easier said than I'm on on the outside (coughs) looking in. And I work, you know, we work together Mm -hmm. outside of the podcast. You work so hard. And you try so hard. And I know, like, personally for me, like, I think about how many hours I've spent working and not really enjoying life and still not feeling like I'm good at my job and still feeling like I'm not, like, I'm not there. I'll, maybe I'll get there. I don't know. Or, you, you know, you just, you kind of, yeah. I just, your mind plays tricks on you. And that turns into a severe case of perfectionism. And that is like a oh, prison. Yeah. People, what, what pisses me off so much was when people say, Oh, perfectionism. Oh, whoopie doo. Like, oh, you're so perfect. Perfectionism is one of the worst prisons to be in. Like, you are constantly tormented by this never fully succeeding at anything. I mean, yeah. anything. And I know for me, it's in all areas of my life being a yeah. wife, mom, working, down to me doing these big, large post it notes before the podcast to mm-hmm. kind of write up like what we're going to be talking about. Like, if I mess up, I can't handle like a marker being out of place. Like, it's just, it's become such a consuming thing. And imposter syndrome, that's, that's a part of it is perfectionism yeah. and working to the point where you'll just drive yourself into the ground. Oh, absolutely. When I was in college, I was going to college full time and I had three jobs. And one job was like overnight working. And I just, I constantly had to be doing something because the second I had downtime, I would have anxiety and just like not feel like I was 
doing something I was supposed to or that like I was being good enough or also that like that's when anxiety would start to catch up with me so I had to keep myself so busy that like I didn't have time to like think about things that one hits home Mm -hmm. Uh, that's exactly some people look at that like oh you're successful or you're 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 just a really hard worker hard worker you're outgoing you like to be busy and not realizing what you're really I mean it's it's internal suffering but I literally didn't know how to enjoy myself or be happy yeah but I also feel like that that created like a breeding ground for people to like take advantage of you this brought me to tears because you know obviously I suffer from imposter syndrome Mm -hmm. and I follow this this doctor on Instagram but one of the things they posted at the heart of people pleasing is often the desperate hope that by taking care of other people's feelings will in return be taken you'll be taken care of so it's like that's what we are our feeling at the heart of people pleasing is often the desperate hope that by taking care of other people's feelings we will in return be taken care of yeah and it's a lie <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's not true at all you don't think it is at you least don't, you, you, you don't want to be taken care of well so, like, deep I don't, down I do I guess in a way I want to have that like with someone but for me I don't know I used to be a huge people pleaser yeah like I wasn't living my life the way I wanted to at all and I think that's where a lot of my like younger depression came from mm-hmm. and I completely changed my life when I was like 22 I just started over I moved to Boise I the only pe- people I knew here was like my mom Mm-hmm. And I just completely started life over again because I'd been living my life up to that point to please other people. Yeah. And I just realized if you're living your life in a way to just please other people, they're never going to be happy for you. How they're old, never going to support you. How old were you when that happened? When you hit that breaking point? 22. That's about, I think my, I think I was like 20, it was right before I got married. Yeah. I ended up getting Bell's palsy. I don't know if you know what that means mm-hmm. or what that is. Yeah, the right side of my face, I was right before my wedding and I woke up. And I didn't feel very good. And I went in and did my radio show. And I was doing mornings at the time. And my morning show partner looked across the uh, across the you know, console. And he was like, dude, your face looks weird. And I was like, I don't feel very good. And I thought mm-hmm. I had an allergic reaction to something. They told me I had a stroke. And I was oh super God. stressed out because I was trying to make everybody happy. And I was trying to yeah. go, 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 and do, 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 plus planning a wedding in a different state. Um, turns out i just i got bells i think thankfully i didn't have a stroke but um that was what they told me yeah. at the, uh, the ambulance came the whole nine yards and they told me that um i had bell's palsy which means like the, i mean the right side of my face was paralyzed for my wedding i mean like my face was drooping i looked like a flipping pirate on my wedding day i had the eye patch and mm. sipping champagne from a straw and my husband mm. like dave's like my husband dave was like is she gonna run because i was walking on the aisle and i couldn't smile because i smiled like this oh, and i was no. like it was just the worst thing but that was my that was my yeah breaking point there it was like i have literally have driven myself into the ground because i constantly am trying so hard to keep everything in its place and perfect and all those things and i mean it just completely brought me to my knees and mm-hmm. my my face was i mean it took six months i still have a paralyzed eye so i have no feeling from like here to here oh, no. no feeling but that was that was my moment at the same age that's yeah. interesting i hit a breaking point at about 18 i was so consumed with self-hatred yeah that i actually checked myself into a hospital for a few days when you're 18 yeah because I, I was gonna kill myself because mm-hmm. I was just trying so hard to please other people around me but I felt like it was impossible because something was wrong with me yeah I felt like I was completely incapable of being this person other people wanted to be and I was having a major identity crisis yeah 
And then I moved away after that and was trying to be on my own and still be this person to please other people. And after a couple of years of that, I I hit a final breaking point where I was just like, f*** this. Yeah. I can't, I hate everything about this. I can't stand these people. I can't take anything that's happening right now. And I didn't know what I was going to do. I just came to Boise to see my mom and spend some time here and just try to like figure out what I was going to do with my life from there because I had, I was starting back at zero. Mm -hmm. And then I just ended up staying here and kind of remolding myself. But it's weird to think about like, living more life yeah. than like I've yeah. I've been like me for less time than I've been alive this is kind of what it feels like isn't that, isn't that like my therapist told me one time because I was you know in a crazy career and it was like I, I, I found myself being attracted to things that didn't love me back mm-hmm. and like but that was my comfort zone right like I just being mm-hmm. around things that didn't love me back so my career my relationships and things like that and my therapist looked at me and was like maybe it's not you like you're you have anxiety but maybe it's not you it's the people you've surrounded yourself with mm-hmm. and that was like, again it's just like yeah so i got my marriage together removed the toxic people removed the toxic career mm-hmm. and starting over and it's it's weird getting to know yourself mm-hmm. i mean for me it's yeah. like i still like i i'm just I'm thinking of that person that's that's why that quote gives me gives me goosebumps and brings me to tears because looking back on when I was younger all I wanted was someone to love me back and just give me the, oh, yeah. give me that comfort and just love me and tell me everything's going to be okay cuz I never had that you know what yeah. I mean and so now that I'm older I'm like who the fuck am I Yeah I felt completely alone until I was probably like 25 years old and you know where that came from? Like, was it just the dynamic in your childhood? Yeah, I just never felt understood. And, like, yeah. I felt like my family wanted me to be a different person. So yeah, I just always felt very, very alone. No, I get it. I, my, I, my mom, I had to be her. I was her parent. Mm. She had a terrible childhood, so I was, like, her parent. So I didn't get, we didn't have that healthy attachment, I yeah. guess you might say. It was yeah. just kind of, how is she going to feel today? And am I going to am I going to be able to help her today mm-hmm. you know like even down to making her bed i had to make mm-hmm. i made her bed every day i'd get yelled at for messing up the tread in the carpet you know like whenever you vacuum mm-hmm. i'd have to step and hop on rugs because mm. it had I to w- be perfect it had to be perfect mm. you see what i mean like yeah. just the perfectionism and not being good enough but the truth is reality is we we are you know mm-hmm. i mean that's we are good enough and we do we do deserve happiness how do you feel your relationships have changed from before to now that you're rediscovering things or discovering them for the first time, I guess? Yeah. Um, before, I would just be with anybody who would love me, I guess. Yeah. Like, I yeah. was engaged before, and it was I wasn't even that interested in him in the beginning. It was just that he was nice to me. Yeah. <laughs> and wasn't, like, abusive. Yeah. And so I thought that that's what a good relationship was. And we were together for three years. And I just, I continued to go from there because I met him when I was 22. Like, I met him, like, just after I'd moved here. And, you know, like, me me constantly hating myself, though, kind of led for this breeding ground of me being taken advantage of and also trying to be, like, molded by this other person. You know, he, he was, like, by definition, like, a sociopath. And yeah. so I was I was very easily manipulated and very easily, like, taken advantage of. And then... um 
you know, after that relationship, I, I went to therapy um, for my anxiety because, like, from one to a ten, like, my anxiety was always at, like, a seven. Like, mm-hmm. I was always on the verge of, like, a complete panic attack. What were your triggers at that point? It would be the smallest, stupidest thing, I yeah. swear. Mm-hmm. Like. How did you, how did you express was, it? If I was, like, editing a video for school and it, like, crashed or something, I would be, like, I'm a failure. Oh, Nothing gosh. is ever going to work out. Like, just crying. And usually I would just cry in my car. Mm-hmm. I kept a lot of things, like, hidden so it was usually just me like taking a drive and just crying in my car yeah yeah that that's like the that's the worst i mean like I'm, I, you always know whenever like with my anxiety i'll just like completely fall apart like my i start breathing really heavy i start mm-hmm. like gasping for air. i can't breathe yeah and then everybody around you's like are you okay what's wrong and that makes it worse mm-hmm. when it's, it starts to be obvious to everybody else Mm-hmm. Do you think it's like a gender thing? Like with and we, we've had this discussion too. I think we had this discussion earlier today with the gender roles, um, as far as like holding in our emotions, or maybe like it's just it's wired within us to as women to be more put together. I'm not sure. When I was younger, though, like my family, um, this my my dad's family really wanted me to kind of fit into this very specific role and a lot of it was like gender oriented um like being like the mother of the house kind of thing and fitting into a lot of those roles and then I think something that really really like triggered me into wanting to change is that my ex-fiance really wanted me to fit some of those roles too, like the housewife type roles and it goes against so much of like who I am you know, I want to work. I want to feel like I'm an equal with my partner. Yeah. I don't want to like fit into a box. I don't think anybody should have to. So I think that was a lot of like what triggered me when I was younger as I was like, how come I can't be this person that everybody else wants me to be like, is something wrong with me? Like, am I defective? Yeah. yeah. But it's the, this like, this definition of how you're supposed to be is like what the problem is. Yeah. Yeah. And the people you surround yourself with, like you're in a bad relationship. Now you're in a great relationship. Mm-hmm, yeah. Right. And it's finding that person that completely understands you who wants to understand you for who you are, mm-hmm. I think, too. And those listening again, I want to make sure we we're not professionals here. We're we're complete. We're sharing our experience in our lives and what we've been through. Um, if you I want to make sure I, <laughs> I say this yeah. because in no way, shape or form do we are we portraying to be professionals if you guys have you know a therapist make sure you discuss your your mental health with with your doctor and talk to close friends and family um because again this is just us sharing our story um the imposter experience this is what imposter syndrome kind of looks like doubting yourself and your abilities an inability to realistically assess your competence and skills attributing your success to external factors berating your performance i'll do that every single time Mm -hmm. i mean every single time fear that you won't live up to expectations or fear of failing overachieving and or procrastinating Mm -hmm. sabotaging your own success Mm -hmm. need to be the best and or perfectionist over prepare to ensure that you are not found out denial of competence or discount of praise I mean, mm-hmm. I, I promised myself during this during this series that I would not plan it. I wouldn't plan out these episodes, mm-hmm. and I, I like I've 
I broke down during these episodes. I, I, I have a tendency to just plan out every single thing that I'm going to do. Yeah, me too. I have like three Google calendars and a planner. Yeah. And there's no reason. They all, they're just all repeats, too. They're all copies. And how do you feel with it whenever you're without those? I feel like I'm going to forget something and it's like paralyzing. And I'm going to be like a huge failure. Like I'm going to forget something so important that I'm just going to epically fail at it. And I've got like 10 lists put together for like a shoot next week because I don't want to fail at it and I'm terrified. My toes have been scrunched this entire episode. Oh, I do it too. Yeah, because I I have nothing prepared for this episode. I just wanted to have a conversation and talk about it. And Mm -hmm. I have never, I should say I've never done it. I've done it this month for this series. But I just, it it feels weird. I feel feel naked almost. Like, again, you're exposed. It is a good thing. But yeah, it is is very exposing. But not to have them there, it just, I don't know, it feels feels weird. Mm -hmm. We're going to take a quick break. And here's Microformula's (laughs) life coach, Sarah Fisk, with the one thing you need to know. Hold up. Here's one thing you need to know. Hi, this is Sarah Bybee Fisk, life coach with Microbe Formulas, with one thing you need to know about imposter syndrome. Now, one of the sneaky things about imposter syndrome is that most of us don't realize that what that means is we have some kind of definition in our brain that we do not meet. So for example, if I'm thinking... I'm a life coach, but I'm really an imposter life coach. I have some kind of definition in my brain about what a real life coach is and how I don't meet that. So the first thing to do is to get really factual and specific about how you are defining the definition of the thing that you think you don't meet. So let's just go with my example of life coach. So I might think, A life coach is more prepared for sessions than I am, or a life coach studies more than I study. Now that I have those two items in front of me, I can actually make a decision about whether I think those are actually valuable. Would it be valuable for me to be prepared more? Would it be valuable for me to study more? If I decide yes, it would be, then I can actually take some action in the direction of making that happen. I can schedule some courses that I think would make me a better life coach. I can set up some kind of schedule for preparing for my sessions beforehand. But the problem that we get into when we just run around with this imposter syndrome is that we never actually get down to what do we mean by the definition and if we have a plan or if we want to have a plan to make it better, what is that plan? And so we just continually beat ourselves up with the fact that we are not meeting this expectation or this definition that we have without ever really defining it. And if we want, making a plan to get better at it. Because the other option is I could decide, you know what, I'm fine with my level of preparation for sessions and I will continue to learn things as they come up, but I don't really feel like I need to make a concerted effort to do that now. And so I'm not an imposter. I'm actually just fine where I am doing a good job. So either way, there is a place for you to go either by getting a plan, putting it in action, or by deciding I'm actually good where I am right now. And that can really help make some headway with imposter syndrome. It's got you thinking, doesn't it? 
you're like, give me more. This is Intentionally Disruptive with Shauna McNeil. Again, mm-hmm. we don't have a plan here. We're, yeah. just, we're just winging this today. I asked you how your relationships are different from when you were younger mm-hmm. and you hit your breaking point and here yeah. you are today in your relationships today. How are those Yeah, in those the working? Past, in the past three years, I've worked a lot on my relationships with others because um, I, I always used to be afraid to even have friends. I'd be like, people are my friends because they feel bad for me. Yeah, but I always thought I was just the weirdo girl who's sitting at the like the lunch table where I don't belong. Yeah, <laughs> and I still feel like that a lot of the times now. Like I've got like two close friends, and that's it, yeah. and my boyfriend. But I, my key for like getting through things is being so ridiculously honest with people. I am so ridiculously honest that sometimes it's embarrassing, but it helps me feel better. Yeah, and often it brings that out in other people too. So do you, do you think people like that? I think they do, they yeah. Do. And yeah. also, like, it it sets everything out on the table. Like, I had a nightmare that my friends only tolerated me, but they actually thought I was really annoying. And I told them about that, and it made them really sad. Yeah. But they were like, we don't think that at all. Well, that's how you know you're with the right people. Yeah. People who appreciate your honesty, that's, like, yeah. a, that's basically a, a full-on friend people test like people in your circle yeah. like if you're going to be honest with them and they're going to like not like that then they don't deserve to be in your circle to begin with yeah people who can just tell me straight up how they're feeling and what's going on are my favorite kind of people yeah um, which is probably like what drew me to my boyfriend the most he's an extremely honest person he says honesty is his religion yeah and you know we both have our own mental health issues he's bipolar and uh, manic depressive and is also he deals with a lot of his own issues and we both have our ups and downs and we're both extremely empathetic so those up and downs like affect each other but we're so honest all the time about how we're doing like he just came out of a manic phase into like a depressive phase and he's been sleeping a lot and he's just really honest with me he's just like i don't want you to think it's you i'm just uh feeling really like low energy right now yeah and i have to i have to do the same thing i just have to be like i'm extremely anxious today i just feel like a failure and i don't know why but this is how i'm feeling and i'm super on edge and just that honesty always makes us you know it keeps us in check because yeah. sometimes I'm just like, if I'm grumpy and I don't know why, I need to admit it. Yeah. Versus like taking it out on someone who doesn't deserve it or me thinking something's wrong and that he's mad at me, but really he's just going through a depressive phase. Do you know how hard it is for people to get to that step? I mean, it, it's so hard. It's been life changing. But like this, this, the people, that, I mean, everyday people, the people that we work with, people all over, it they they can't even comprehend that mindset that you have yeah they can't even comprehend it yeah like how dare i communicate or show vulnerability how yeah. dare i shoot i was one of those people for a long time i like yeah. i still find myself falling back into that trap of everything's good everything's fine and then somebody is like breathing too heavy or chomps on a cadoba burrito and i want to smack him in the face and yeah. i lash out and they're like whoa dude i just ate a burrito mm-hmm. but if i would have been upfront and honest like hey i'm just having a, a rough day yeah I'm sure the people that I surround myself with, they'd be completely fine with it. But I tell myself they won't accept it. Yeah. Some days when he's manic, I'll just be like, can you slow down like half speed? Because yeah. I literally can't comprehend what you're saying right now. And it's hurting my head. And we just both think it's funny. Yeah. Because that's just how <laughs> honest our relationship is now. Yeah. Um, 
and yeah yeah that's really what like drove us towards each other i remember we got sushi one day and we both started crying because we were both just being really honest about like life and stuff and we're like we're crying we're eating sushi and again even relationships of people as individuals to come completely just break open and share and and talk about just what's going on within them to find somebody yeah that you could have that partnership with it's it's the, the rarest thing yeah how long have you and um your boyfriend been together we met about two years ago and then we've been together for about a year and a half you guys live together right mm-hmm. yeah isn't it like the best is to have your yeah your bud yeah and we're pal. so similar sometimes we're both just like i want to be alone and we're just we're like always doing our own thing yeah or i'll just be like i'm feeling really needy and i need to cuddle right now i know yes <laughs> and it's great i always tell my husband uh rub my butt and buy me pizza oh nice and he rubs my butt and then tries to avoid the pizza part because I'm trying to work <laughs> on my weight. But, you know, it's like yeah. sometimes he'll just cave and get me the cheese pizza well done. We're both trying to work on our weight, but we both really love ice cream. Oh, man. the um, I, I also found this uh, imposter syndrome, the myth versus reality. Yeah. Now, the myth with imposter syndrome, it keeps me humble. <laughs> we're not going to be bragging about ourselves. Yeah. But the reality is it makes us more anxious. Mm-hmm. You agree with that? I mean, like, how many times have you used that excuse? I do, yeah. And I actually was talking about it this morning with Dylan that, like, about imposter syndrome. And I was like, yeah, but it does make me really humble. I think it's a good thing. And so, like, I, I fall for that all the time. Yeah. I thought that was crazy that that was on that list. Yeah. And the, another myth is it makes me work hard. Yeah. But the reality is it stops me from enjoying my success. I think even enjoying life. I feel guilty when I'm when I like sit at home and watch TV for a little while. Yeah, I'm like I should be organizing my home. I should be outside. I should be exercising. Yeah, think about all these other things that like a perfect person quote would do. Another one. This is the the last um, myth, but it means I have high standards. Yeah. The reality is it messes with my self esteem. Yeah, that, and then like you said earlier, it, it causes procrastination, right? Because yeah. I get like analysis paralysis where you're just sitting there analyzing it and already being like, it's not gonna turn out right. It's not gonna be perfect. Yep. So therefore I'm not gonna do it so that I'm not disappointed in myself. Yeah, it's Because if you just never do it, you don't have to be a failure. Yeah. Yeah. And you just stay away from that stuff. You and I have had the conversation uh, before where I feel like I haven't, lived i've allowed perfectionism yeah. and i've allowed imposter syndrome and i've allowed anxiety to kind of just take over which has all led to my depression as well mm-hmm. and um you know i've i feel like some people will like dive into certain like self-destructive behavior to everyone even though i i have done that but i've done it in other ways i haven't went out and like i haven't like done drugs or become promiscuous or anything mm-hmm. like that or like picked up you know <coughs> booze and things like that Mm -hmm. um but i did the complete opposite of that yeah and dove into work 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 need to be successful for me to have any worth in this world for me to to, for me to be somebody i need to do all these things right and i can't break and so it's so weird i've never been so jealous of like sitting with my girlfriends and they've been to like mardi gras where they're showing their boobs and stuff and i'm like what you've shown your boobs you've totally lived it's yeah. like my husband's like do you just want to go to mardi gras and just show your boobs what do you want to like what do you want to do you, you bring that up but it's like i realized these things I, I i i didn't i've been so caught up and wrapped up in the success and anxiety and perfectionism mm-hmm. 
when I say success, the dr- the drive to success, I still yeah. feel like I've never been there. I'm Me not. Too. I'm never going to be there. Yeah. But I just feel like I'm just like trapped. Like, I just mm-hmm. I can't. I can't move. Yeah. I feel like even if I was like peak of like what I could be doing in my career, I'm like a famous director in Hollywood or something. I'd be like, yeah, but it wasn't actually that good. Or you're yeah. like, I'm not supposed to be here. Well, I like how, and then, and then the one thing, another thing is putting these, uh, sabotaging these goals. Like you just said, yeah. a Hollywood director, you know yeah. what I mean? And like, we put, we set these like, instead of doing like micro goals, it's like we just go so far above anything. So yeah. we know, oh, we'll never get there. And we'll just, I'll, I'll, yeah, like, I'm I'll like, sabotage that's insane. it. That's insane. That's insane. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, we've talked about, um, me and Dylan have talked about like ideologies before, like just yeah. little like things that pop into your head and I'll get, um, ideologies of like sabotage. Yeah. Just being like, what would happen if I just ruined everything good in my life right now? Yeah. Like, have you ever acted Would on people it? be better off? No. It's like those scary thoughts that you get for like a few seconds and then you like shoo them away because they're actually really scary. But, yeah. um, I mean, self sabotage when you're, when you when you feel like you're not supposed to have what you have. Like sometimes you feel like you're doing other people a favor. Yeah, by just removing yeah. yourself, so you sabotage the relationships. You sabotage. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Luckily, I, I I do try really hard to not do any of those things, but, but they do pop in your head. Yeah, or like the what ifs. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dylan, you've, I'm going to bring Dylan on because you, Dylan, you've, you work with Alex very closely. You guys are super close. What's your, cause I mean, you, you know a lot about her and it's, I want to, I guess I want to take the opportunity to give her a little bit of praise of, of her work that she puts mm-hmm. on herself and the work that she does. Cause this, this is a part of it. I had to do this last month. We had to do this one word to describe and I, like, I, it took every ounce of me to be nailed down to the ground because I couldn't stand it. And mm-hmm. it, it helped it helped me a little bit. And yeah. I, I I think this will be good um just remind you that you are awesome. Mm-hmm. And we all love you here and you are such a great person. You're such a hard worker and you give the best hugs. I mean when oh, I'm when I'm crying, I was crying in the parking lot. You know, I break down with you and Dylan and I, I had a bad day and and I, I got out of my car, I didn't even get my bag. I just went straight to you. You know what I mean? So you're just you're such a good person and I think you need to you need to know that and Dylan I mean you guys it's just you two you two are our media team here at micro formulas like you knowing Alex Dylan let's I don't know talk about your your take on her and and her imposter syndrome I brought Alex on the team and it's been amazing like I know I know that a lot of people can say Oh yeah, my team's great or whatever, you know, but like I love you your your impression of people who do that is the same every single time. <laughs> I know all my impressions sound the same. But, uh, <laughs> she's just like me, right? And it doesn't take that to appreciate somebody, but she comes in every day and like will literally do something the least efficient way possible <laughs> just because she wants it to meet her standard of greatness. Now, I don't think that she's in the current state. I don't think she's ever going to achieve her expectations because they're, they're infinite. But when it's like people like me on the outside, she's met it time and time again. So I see her work and like, you you know, like something that I firmly believe is into work in media. Like you have to have instinct. It's a very instinctual 
creative outlet. You know, like you can come in and you can throw tech jargon around and you can know gear and like this and that. And Alex has existed around those types of people. And I feel like that's part of the reason that makes her feel so bad about herself is because she's been surrounded by people that are so f***ing elitist about film. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. When you're talking about like something as small as like the position of Apple boxes or, you know, whatever, just the terminology. But then you have someone like Alex who just loves, loves it so much but doesn't really give a shit about everything else. Yeah. She's like, I just want to make cool stuff that looks good, you know? And that she does that. I'm the exact same way. I think that's why we get along so well is like, I don't sit there and yell jargon at her. You know, yeah. she is so dedicated, you know, kind of going back, sorry to what you were asking. I, I I'm just sitting here infinitely praising her, but um, she does such a great job, you know, and you know, even outside of work, um, when I'm having a bad night, she's the person I reach out to every single time. You know, like I last night I was crumbling in and I texted her and that says a lot about her character, you know, like she's a great person. She does a wonderful job. There's never been a single time that I've seen her fail. And even if she did fail, it's like the most small thing that both of us learned from. I was like, Oh crap. I didn't know that. Yeah. She's like, yeah, I didn't know that either. I'm like, cool. Well, now we know. Let's do it. It's well, fine, you know. But she she does such an amazing job, and the company is so blessed to have her. And and that and that's what I was gonna say. I mean, everyone here is so happy to have you, and you do such a good job. We have this we have this software, this tool that we use um, in the office. It's called Slack. I'm sure some of you listening, you know, know what that is. But it's basically just a, a tool for us to all to communicate in the office. And there's different channels, and there's this cop being awesome channel. Alex is probably in there more than anyone. You're in there more than anyone. And somebody oh. posted uh, some of uh, your, your work today, a video. Yeah. And they were just so blown away by your by your work. And what was your what was your first reaction to that? My first reaction was that like I didn't actually do anything very groundbreaking. That like I used a template. So I feel like I cheated. Yeah. Like I feel like I cheated on the test and like now I'm getting like an award or something. <laughs> but everybody uses templates but like I realistically know that but I just feel like I didn't do anything like that great and my first instinct is like instinct is like don't embarrass yourself by like complimenting me because it's like it's not worth it well to us you're groundbreaking thanks I mean to us you are I mean that's you're so great at your job and we all I think I think we all have something in common that we can't handle it like I can give you praise all day and Dylan can give you praise all day, but if the tables were turned, we're not going to pretend like we wouldn't be underneath the table right now. So all this information on imposter syndrome, we're going to put this up on our all of our social media so you can find it on Instagram and our Facebook page because I think it's important for people to understand this more and go – because, again, I didn't know it even existed until yeah, my therapist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how I found out about it. Yeah, me too. So we'll post all this information up on our website. And again, we're not professionals. Please talk to your doctor for all your mental health issues. Whoa, hold up. Did you hear? Yeehaw. On the next Intentionally Disruptive with Shauna McNeil. Coming up next week, we will not launch a new series because what I've realized after finishing this month is that sometimes we just, we need to unplug, focus on self-care and spend time with the people we love. 
Now, with May being Mental Health Awareness Month, it just seems like the perfect time to do that. So when we return on June 8th, we will kick off on the Gram series and we'll be talking to Instagram influencers who have built a huge following by sharing their health and wellness journey. Ooh, that's a little taste of what's to come next week on Intentionally Disruptive. This podcast is all about everyday people sharing their story, their triumphs, because I mean, we're all broken. Every single one of us are broken and a constant work in progress. And this is all about people helping people. And you've helped me today. Intentionally Disruptive is presented by Microbe Formulas. Visit us at microbeformulas.com.